We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am super excited to have Christina Garza on the program today. Hi. Hi. Glad to have you. She's the Director of Social Impact for Mission Economic Development Corporation. And she curates and leads all STEAM and entrepreneurship initiatives for this EDC. And through this work, commits herself to improving the financial mobility of area residents and fostering progressive and equitable economic development practices. Among the programs she founded are Web of Women, an initiative to teach technical skills to women professionals, and Career Readiness and Empowerment of Women, which is CREW, and a multidisciplinary internship that trains young high school women to serve as leaders in STEM and entrepreneurship. She is 2017 Next City Vanguard and named by CityLab Latino one of the top 20 young civic leaders of 2017. Before her career in economic development, Christina worked in several museums in New York City, including the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Rubin Museum of Art, the Brooklyn Historical Society, and the Brooklyn Museum. And Christina, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to be a guest on your podcast. This should be very exciting. Am I the first non-principal to be invited? Oh, sadly, no. I do interview <laughs> non-principals. However, you are the first 2017 Next City Vanguard and <laughs> <laughs> City Lab Latino top 20 young civic leaders of 2017. So you do have that going for you. So that's good. Excellent. Can't wait. Yes. Now, however, you are one of the first people that I have interviewed who is doing something that I think is so incredibly awesome. One of the things that I talk a lot about on the podcast and am really fascinated by is this idea of giving kids responsibility 
and opportunity early on mm-hmm. instead of waiting until they're adults to actually give right. them something meaningful. So I when I talked to you at the new team habits workshop that we went to in November, you talked about your career program and I thought that that was absolutely amazing and so I'd love to just start there and talk about what that crew program is and what it means. Uh, Yeah, no, definitely. It is a year-long internship slash career readiness program for high school women and gender non-binary folks where they get to spend their Fridays with me at the office learning about career development, basically learning to adult, working on social ventures and addressing systemic problems, getting mentored by women in careers that don't exist in in this town. And lastly, they also learn technical skills that they will then use to get their ideas and their social ventures up and running. The short version of it, it's uh, the way that it came about. It basically came from me wanting to create a program that I would have benefited from when I was 17. And it's a way of correcting, I guess, history and teaching young, a younger generation what I wish I would have known before going to college and before getting into the workforce. You know, I am from originally from Mexico, now from the, you know, slash Texas border and grew up in a very small town where everyone is expected to stay here, to not go away for college and to live at home until they're married. You know, these are the expectations that we have. And I left to go to New York as soon as I turned 18 and had little to no guidance or mentorship. So I struggled a lot in terms of adjusting to college and adjusting to to the workforce. So for a lot of the interns, actually all of the interns that I work with will be the first in their family to go to college. And so I keep thinking about what their experience will be like in terms of learning to be resilient and independent, knowing that they're not going to have their parents to fall back on or to ask for advice. And that most likely they're going to go into careers in which they will be the only Latina in the classroom or the only Latina in the office. And so they're dealing with a lot more cultural and emotional adversity that I think than most high school kids today. So this program is really to prepare them, but it's also a very flexible and fun and exciting way of working with youth to address local problems. And when you were talking to me about it before, you said that it was the integration of entrepreneurship and leadership. Tell me more about that perspective and how you're helping them become leaders and also helping them be entrepreneurial at the same time while in an internship in high school. I mean, that's that's a pretty big ask. <laughs> I, I know. I I don't do things simply. It's like, let's add <laughs> more to it. Let's do everything that I want to do. Uh, basically, you know, and the idea of integrating entrepreneurship with leadership came from thinking about the statistics of, let's say, women in tech, right? So you have 1% of women in the computing workforce being Latinas, and out of that, it's 0.24% are in positions of power. So when people talk about diversifying the workforce and in tech, which 
you know, continues, this is a field that continues to grow and that continues to dominate every aspect of our life um, and our future, then you have an issue there in terms of who's the decision maker and who's at the table um, creating tech or deciding on behalf of others what, what that tech does. So when I started to think about how do you, you know, how do you actually get more what is keeping women, Latino women, from getting to those positions outside of the systemic issues that we're facing? But why is it that they're not moving up in the ladder? And what's keeping them afraid? When a lot of these questions get asked, most people say like, oh, we just need more awareness of coding initiatives, or we just need to have more computer science classes in in the high schools. And we do, and I, you know, we do a lot of work to do that and to integrate this class into the high school and to build capacity with teachers and to provide those resources. But it goes beyond that. I think really the reason for that we're keeping women of color out of these positions is because we're also not allowing them to see themselves as in charge of companies or in charge of ideas or in charge of products that will change the world. So instead of focusing on simply putting girls through coding camps, what I do is have them understand and analyze their community, which is a community that has a lot of issues that need to be addressed, and have them come up with ideas for problems that affect them personally, problems that affect their families, problems that affect their schools, and problems that affect the city. And for them to ideate and figure out and dream big and come up with a solution for that. And from then on, they have to learn to create a product or a policy that that fixes that problem. And they have to learn to pitch it, learn to create a very uh, simple business plan around it, learn to understand, you know, understand what it takes to actually launch something like that. So figure out how much money they would realistically need to raise talk to experts in the field and in a way empower them to see themselves as change makers and see that they have a role to play in tech, whether or not they know how to code, right? Like these jobs are not just for people who are software engineers or computer engineers, right? Um, They are for folks who understand leadership, who understand how to manage other folks, who care about changing the world. And we don't always provide uh, women with the opportunity, especially young women, of seeing themselves as being able to start something, right? Rather than, yeah. oh, I'll just go and work there and be really good and always be on time and, you know, do what I'm supposed to do and follow the rules and eventually something will happen. And we know that that's not the case. So why are we teaching women of color to take risks and to start things and to be the solution that they want to see in the world rather than waiting for someone to come and tap them in the shoulder and and recruit them. Exactly. Um, and and I think I'm someone, you know, again, because everything's selfish and everything we do always has to do with ourselves. Right. I'm someone that took a lot of, you know, for many years was very scared of creating something or taking risk. Uh, right. And it wasn't until I came here and definitely and started working with mainly men that that I saw a fearlessness that was not there before. When I worked mm-hmm. in nonprofit, you know, the majority of the employees were women. And there was this understanding that to be able to create change, you would just have to ask for a lot of permission and be over prepared and and wait your turn. 
And when I then started working in an environment where most of my work coworkers were men, it definitely changed my my perception of what it means to create change, but just people just do it, right? They're not waiting for it. They just make it. And and I wish someone would have taken that fear out of me sooner. So a lot of my focus in leadership and entrepreneurship is not so much because I think like, oh, entrepreneurship is the solution or tech is the solution or everyone has to go into tech, but rather to me, it's a great tool to get fear out of them and allow them to try things and fail um, and learn to be, build things on their own and make things that may not have the answer, you know, do things that they don't have the answer to yet. And that maybe other people also don't have the answer to yet. And it's a great way for them to, to build resilience and to, to learn to think by themselves. Yeah. That is so powerful. So a couple of things on, on that, all that stuff you said, which was great. When we are just teaching girls to code, we are not actually opening the door for them to start or create anything. We're just opening Correct. the door for them to be low wage workers. Right. Entry level. Yeah. In a different field. Right. That's right. not what you're trying to do. You're trying to teach them that, yes, they can be leaders. They can be the creators. They can be the ones who do the actual hard work of changing and not just yes. the hard work of coding. And there is a difference. Right. And right. that's what I love about your approach is that it's not just, you know, about getting them, you know, coding skills so they can go have an entry level job somewhere, but about teaching them in addition to those, which are great things also, in addition to that, teaching them how to actually take a chance and do some change. Right. And to add to that, the coding doesn't happen until the very end of the internship. So that by the time that they're sitting in front of our computing, learning these concepts, they already know what the purpose of that is. They have a project in mind. So they're building the websites to their own companies. And so they're coming with a passion for the project that they're building and coding becomes a tool to get to where they want to be, which is Mm -hmm. to put their ideas out into the world rather than an end within itself, which I think for a lot of times, it's just taught as, okay, this is what you're going to do. At the end, you're going to be building this. And this is about learning the concepts and learning about loops and grids and you know variables and all of this. Instead, we're teaching it after they have an understanding of who they are, what they believe in, what they want to put out there in the world. And that coding becomes a much easier experience because they know exactly what they want to be seeing at the end of it and what the point of all of this is. Yes. So... A great point to illustrate that is I took these Microsoft Excel classes in college and we had Mm -hmm. to do all these things and it was a checklist of what I needed to accomplish and I did it and I did great at it and, you know, got a good grade and understood it and that was fine, but I didn't retain or remember any of it because it had no meaning to what I was trying to do. Now, whenever I need to learn how to do something in Excel or Google Sheets, I'm looking that stuff up on YouTube or in Mm -hmm. tutorials online and finding a way to understand how it works so that I actually apply it and, and use it for something that matters to me personally. Right. That is so vital. And that's what we have to get kids to be able to understand. I think we are doing it so backwards where we are trying to get them to these levels, because what I've seen is that when we do it, the way that you and I are talking about it, the kids blow our expectations out of the water. They can learn way more, way faster when they actually have a reason for doing it. Well, and I think in terms of having students blow our expectations out of the water, 
not just in terms of how quickly they can learn a skill that maybe they didn't see themselves doing, but how incredibly uh, advanced their ideas are and how connected they are to their community and how much they care about participating and creating a better world. I think that at least my own high school experience, I remember just getting through the days, just waiting for, you know, waiting to go to college so I could get out of here, just going to class to class, trying to get A's for no reason other than I needed to get A's to go into a good college. And the reality is that we're not spending enough time simply talking to youth and seeing how they see their communities and how they can help their communities because their ideas are incredible. And I find that this next generation is incredibly compassionate, incredibly connected, uh, and incredibly self-aware. And I don't know if the current education system allows for room for those feelings to be explored and for for youth to have the voice that I think deserve, they deserve to have because they're much more caring that I think we give them credit for. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I've definitely seen that. So before school each day this year, I teach high school kids uh, seminary, which is what our church uses to help them understand the gospel and and understand how it works. And boy, when these kids come in and have these ideas and thoughts, I mean, they're teaching me stuff mm-hmm. all the time. And our our classroom is set up not like a traditional classroom where it's like, read the scripture and then tell what it means. But it's what questions do you have about life and your experience? And how can we understand those through the lens of our doctrine? And that is incredibly powerful for these kids. And it's amazing the things that they are able to understand and get that nobody ever right. gives them the opportunity to express. I think your point, we're not spending enough time simply talking to youth is so true. If we talk to them, we'll be able to understand what they are experiencing much better. And we just don't have time. So how do we make more time for that, Christina? I mean, I don't know. I'm an educator. You tell me. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. uh, I don't know what it's like to work within the confines of, you know, testing and scores and whatever else, you know, teachers are measured against. What I know is that I have the capacity to, create the space and create time for them to be able to do that. And part of it is because now that schools, especially early, you know, dual college, um, dual enrollment schools or early college schools, STEM schools, they are putting, especially in Texas, there's now a lot more pressure to be able to provide their students with internships with job shadowing opportunities. So when I created this program, I was feeling feeling a need that the schools had because they just simply didn't have connections to industry and they didn't have enough internships to provide to their students. And that puts them in a really difficult position. And then here I come being like, I have an idea. I have this program that's happening. And thankfully the schools saw it as a benefit to them, not uh, a distraction for the students, but rather a great opportunity for them to fulfill their own requirements of providing internships. And also uh, they got to see just how much value and emotional growth the students got out of it. So, you know, so I don't know how to create it in the schools other than being open to those partnerships that happen outside of the school system. 
because if we didn't have the support from the school district, we wouldn't be able to do this. You know, every Friday they leave school and they're here in an office of economic development doing this work. They get bused here. You know, they're able to provide resources that I couldn't provide, like transportation, right? And if the schools are not able to be able to do those opportunities, then it makes sense that they're actively reaching out to industry so that industry can provide those opportunities for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, see, this piece is one area where I think is is really fascinating and really underdeveloped in the education space is that we don't have the expertise to do a lot of these things. And what we really mm-hmm. need to do, like you said, is partner with industry and community leaders to be able to make these things happen. So right. your example is a very good situation. You're not employed by the school district. You are employed by the city of mission, right? Correct. Is that? Yes. So the city says, okay, we want to be able to find a way to work with the school district led by you leading that charge. And then the district says, oh, I can just send these kids to you and I don't have to worry about any of this for right. the whole year. Like that is a whole new program that uh, makes total sense, benefits lots of people and is the kind of partnership that needs to exist. And you're in a fairly small city in right mm-hmm. on the border of Mexico. And so right. you don't have to be like some big, huge urban place to do this. And in fact, I honestly think that a smaller city is probably a better place because you can really understand the community so much better. So I just think that this is fantastic and, and people need to be communicating and reaching out. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first half of that interview with Christina. In our next episode, we're going to talk more with Christina about some of the things that she is learning and doing about herself and about others that I think is really, really powerful and looking forward to hearing the rest of the story from Christina next week. So make sure you come back and check that out. Hey, this is Jethro. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of Transformative Principle. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I want to remind you, I am going out on my own. So I'm looking for uh, opportunities to help schools implement things that are related to student-driven learning. So if you'd like to work with me, please go to JethroJones.com and you'll be able to enter your information there and we can schedule a chat to talk and figure out how we can help move kids forward and be in control of their own learning. Thanks so much. That's JethroJones.com. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.